Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Today we're going to be talking to Residente, a rapper who's won more Latin Grammys, 27, than anyone else on the planet. Our own Julissa Lopez is going to be doing the interview. Hey, Julissa. Hey, Brian. How are you? Not bad. So tell us a little bit about Residente, who he is, where he came from, what his music's been like. Definitely. So Residente is a rapper from Puerto Rico, and he's one of the most outspoken artists in the Latin music industry. Ever since he started Calle Trece, a famed rap duo with his brother, Eduardo Cabra, He's just been making really politically charged music. They first got together in 2005, and a lot of the music was playful and subversive. They had a really big hit called Atrévete, which is kind of a a reggaeton song. There was always this current of just being really interested in, in politics, and especially politics in Latin America. So fast forward years later, Residente has continued to do that in his work. He eventually went solo, and in 2017, he released Residente, which was this album that he made by getting a DNA test and going to each country that he had DNA from and and making music with musicians there. So I think he's always an artist that is really interested in in what's happening in the world and, and really wants to express that in his music. And tell me about what he's working on now. Sure. So... Residente has been kind of all over the news lately because, you know, first he he got into this very public spat with the reggaeton artist J Balvin. You know, the two of them had uh, had a pretty public argument kind of around the time of the Latin Grammys. J Balvin suggested that they boycott the Latin Grammys when he felt that reggaeton wasn't getting enough attention. Residente really didn't like that idea. And things kind of devolved from there and, and you know, ended up with this eight-minute uh, freestyle that uh, Residente did where he took J Balvin to task. And that's kind of been the headline lately, but sort of, you know, during all of that, he's been sort of preparing this this bigger song and this bigger battle. And it, it's a song called This Is Not America. Desde hace rato, cuando ustedes llegaron, ya estaban las huellas de nuestros zapatos, se robaron hasta la comida. This is Not America is about a debate that's existed in Latin America for a really long time. It really has to do with the fact that people in the U.S. call themselves Americans and call the country America. And a lot of people in Latin America feel that the entire continent is is America. And Residente feels very strongly that calling yourselves America when you're just one country is a type of erasure and, and is really a way of ignoring the, the rest of the continent. So he lets it all out on this track and kind of talks about the arrogance and the egocentrism of the idea of America, you know, there's a line in the song that says that it's kind of like Morocco calling itself Africa. It fits into a a larger album that he's planning that is really 
political and, and kind of continues everything that he's known for. And besides that new song, maybe take us through some of his greatest hits or some of your favorite songs by him over the years. In the beginning, Calle 13, like I said, they've always been pretty political and pretty subversive. But even some of their party songs, like Atrévete, they were kind of written with a wink, trying to be challenging and trying to kind of change the idea of what you might expect from rap or from reggaeton. The band, Calle 13, started to focus on Latin America uh, much more closely on later releases. And then especially on his solo project, I think he really kind of took the idea of, of becoming more connected to the rest of the world really seriously. You know, there's a song on his solo debut, um, Residente, called Somos Anormales. Tres ojos, cuatro orejas, mucho pelo entre medio de las cejas, con los cachetes llenos de granos, sin brazos ni piernas, como los gusanos. That mixes all of these different genres and, and different places around the world. There's, I think, Tibetan throat singing on, on one song, and he's rapping in Spanish. I think these kind of world influences have always been a really big part of his work. He's also been extremely involved in, in politics in, in Puerto Rico. You know, he was a, a major figure in the 2019 protest against the governor, Ricardo Rosello, and he teamed up with Bad Bunny and his sister Ellie, and they made the song, and that kind of really became a, a rallying cry in Puerto Rico and put him at the center of all of these changes and politics on the island. In your interview with Residente, he talks about his upbringing, his entire career, the current project you just mentioned, and here's that conversation. You grew up in Puerto Rico, and your father was a labor lawyer who traveled around Latin America and was really involved with social movements. I wonder if to start you could tell us how politics shaped your upbringing and influenced your thinking. So I grew up with my mom, actually. She was an actress from theater, and theater in Puerto Rico is, is not a, a thing that you, that you can live and earn money out of it. But I also grew up seeing my dad going to strikes, and I got involved into social movements and politics and you know since i'm a kid because i grew up with that and he was a lawyer for the workers at that time very humble guy he still is he knows about a lot of things he reads a lot but i grew up seeing him but also with my mom seeing her so i have also the arts with me and also my dad was a musician that's how i think i combine everything the social things and politics and music and and art you studied visual arts in Puerto Rico and also while getting your master's degree at the Savannah College of Art and Design. What kind of career were you envisioning for yourself? I didn't know. Like when I went to school, I didn't know what to do with my life. And I remember they they used to have like tests that you have to take them to tell you what you're going to be when you grow up. And I always fail on that shit. So I was even more confused. But the best college at that time was the University of Puerto Rico. But I didn't have the grades to be there, you know. I started to make a lot of drawings and paintings to try to get in to an art school that I liked in Old San Juan. And that's how I got into art, you know, by necessity. You know, I needed to study something, but also I liked it. And thanks to God, they let me in the, that college and, and I started to, to study. And I started to accomplish uh, all of my goals at that time i started to make bigger goals before going to college i was a very bad student 
not because I wanted to be bad, but because I had ADHD. And at that time, people didn't understand it well. And also with my psychologist, my psychologist now, she told me, oh, and you had Asperger also when you were a kid. So my dad didn't understand that, you know, I was moving all the time like that. And my dad like just hit me in the head, you know, stop, you know, moving and stop doing it. So it was like, oh shit, like if I put myself into this, I can accomplish other shit. My mom passed through so many things with me, <laughs> so many situations and problems. I got kicked out of school so many times that she was like, oh, thanks to God, he, he found something, you know? So she was very happy and she supported me. Then you moved back to Puerto Rico and you started Calle Teresa with your brother, Eduardo Cabra. One of the first songs that got a lot of attention was Querido FBI, which you wrote in the days after Filiberto Heda Rios, who was part of the Puerto Rican independence movement, was killed in a raid by the FBI in his own home. Tell me about how you guys were thinking about the intersection of art and politics and what you wanted to do with the music. Queridos compatriotas, abogados, maestros, alcaldes, hichotas, doctores, bichotes, bomberos, enfermeros, contables... My brother didn't, in particular in that song, he, he didn't do anything because the, the beat was created by Danny uh, Fornaris. It's something that I that I did because I felt it. And, and at that time, when I first created Calle 13, I knew that I wanted to make art but accessible like i had that in my head I, like how can i say things that are accessible to people i already passed you know i i already had a master degree so i was very aware of of uh, of things you know like every everything that i was doing was with a purpose anything that affected me uh, and i learned in other in art school that even if you're scared or even if you may go to prison, like you should say it. Like I took classes with very good professors, you know, conceptual artists that they, they teach me that. So I was ready to do things like that. So when Filiberto Ojeda uh, got killed by the FBI, I was so mad and I went to his funeral and I saw him, I got, I felt that like the energy right there and that same night I wrote the Querido FBI in at Danny's that's why even my brother wasn't included because it was something that impulsive and it's kind of also part of my ADHD of being impulsive and say things and just do it right away so I wrote it and that same night like in the morning like at five in the morning Danny sent it to the radio stations and it went viral and crazy I remember from White Lion, he was scared too. Like, like, man, now the FBI is gonna be following me and shit. I said, no, man, no worries. But you know, I, I, it was the first time that I realized how powerful words can be and how to use them. Did you feel nervous putting that song out? I felt that nervous afterwards, and yeah, scared in certain ways because I didn't know how big it was gonna be, and I remember that. White Lion, they were making a deal with Sony and Sony backed up, you know, because of the song. Like, I, I thought, oh, I fucked it up. Like, my only opportunity that I had, I just fucked it up because of this song. But I was like, but, you know, like, it's it's a moment that you get scared. But then you say, you know, fuck it. I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to defend this. This is the way I think. And this is why I, I got here. And, and since I'm a kid, I wanted to have an opportunity to talk to a lot of people. So, yeah, let's do it. 
Your 2017 album Residente was inspired by a DNA test that you took where you traveled to different countries to learn more about yourself and your DNA. What was that experience like and how did it make you feel connected to the rest of the world? What happened was almost the same reaction that I got with Simapa when I did Simapa around Latin America and I started to know more about the, the Latin American continent and feel proud of a lot of things that I that I didn't know about my roots uh, as a Latin American. The same reaction I, 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 I got it but like you know worldwide you know and I started to to talk to different cultures and to make music with them. I, I, I really love that album. It's a great album and it went kind of under the radar in a way, but for me it's one of the, my best albums and, and it's very honest. And I wrote it like in those places, like in, in those countries, in, in very uncomfortable situations. It feels real for me, you know. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. You've always been really involved with politics on the island, and in 2019, you rallied a lot of people protesting Ricardo Rosello, the former governor whose administration's offensive, homophobic texts were leaked to the public. You made the song Afilando los Cuchillos with Bad Bunny, but you also gathered a bunch of artists and celebrities like Ricky Martin and brought them to the actual protests. What did that experience teach you about mobilizing people and using your platform? In other countries, people were getting together to protest using Twitter back in the days. In Puerto Rico is is a little bit different because since we are a colony and we have people that are pro-statehood and we are kind of divided, you know, as any other country, but but you can feel sometimes those divisions. And and also 
Like in Puerto Rico, you have people who protest all the way, but it, it, it never got into that point where you put down a government, you know, like that never happened before. And, and for me, you know, I didn't have that idea of, okay, let's put this guy down right away. I just thought like I was mad. And, and then I, I, I talked to my dad because he, he knows all of the workers, like you, you need to have the workers with you. And it was a collaboration between everyone. And they told me, what day do you think you can come here? And I said, like, let's put it on. I remember it was like a Wednesday. Then I talked to Benito. Benito was mad. He was in Spain. And then Ricky, that I got surprised because Ricky at that time was less, uh, you know, he, he never said anything against the government or anything, you know. But they were talking about him and they were talking about him and his kids and so I talked to him and he was putting, he was going to put something out like a written letter. But then I, I was able to, to talk to both of them and to make it happen to, so we can get there to support everyone else that they were already going. You know, it wasn't that the people went there because of us. It was more like they felt that the support of, of international artists that that never happened often in Puerto Rico. You have a protest and the majority of the people, they don't say anything. And if you're known, you don't say too much, you know, and with me, well, people, maybe I, they're tired of me saying things. So, so I needed young, you know, young blood or people who never spoke before to be with me to make it happen, you know, so thanks to them, it went bigger. And, you know, I think also everyone else was so mad. So it became a, a beautiful protest, you know, peaceful one and, and with everyone united without political parties in the middle, uh, we were able to uh, take him out, you know. It was a big moment and it kind of brings me to your latest project, which I think has a lot of these elements we've been talking about in terms of mobilizing people. Your song, This Is Not America, comes at a time of so much turmoil here and in Latin America. I wonder if you can talk about what This Is Not America means and what was happening around you that influenced it. The whole project for for This Is Not America is to change the world and to see that people started to respect and say like, you know what, yeah, we're not Americans. Like when people start feeling dumb by saying it, that's when it's gonna start to change. That's a discussion that I've been having through the years about America and how people in the US, I don't know how to call them, the US Atians, how do they got that uh, name and they're using it for them, for themselves, and how for me is a type of colonization. I've never liked it, and for me it was uncomfortable to hear someone in, in the interviews all the time, no, because here in America is like, bro, like America is the whole continent, and you're not an American, you're an Estadounidense. I don't know, we have to find a word for, for your name if you don't have it, but it's, it doesn't sound good, you know, it's like saying that then suddenly, I don't know, in, in, in Morocco, they start saying that they're Africa, you know? Africa is the whole continent. Or if in France, they start calling themselves, no, we are Europe. It's like, no, you're not Europe. Europe is the whole thing. So 
the same way, I think it's, it's a way of, of forgetting about the people that, that, that is making Latin, like, you know, um, the rest of America, that you have Latin America and you have Central America and you have North America and you have South America, you can call it, and you have the Caribbean, but the whole thing is America, you know? And I, and I see it as an egocentric thing, you know? Like it's like your ego have to be so big that you think that you're the center of the world and that's why you're America. And anything that it's outside, you don't care. It's kind of like that situation. So I wanted to be included in, you know, when every time someone says America, not only me, the Caribbean, but everyone should be included, uh, not excluded. So, yeah, that's why and that's how the song started, you know, by feeling excluded and feeling out. Like you said, As part of this album you've been working on for a long time, what are some other social issues that you're planning to look at on this project? In the album, I have a a song about Cuba and Puerto Rico that I wrote with uh, Aldo from Los Albianos. He's from Cuba. He's one of, I I really like him as a rapper. I don't know if we think we have different ideas and ideals probably, but we are good friends and I really respect him as a lyricist. He writes well. I did a, a song also with a Dominican rapper like a long time ago, man, like before he was more known. And it's uh, kind of like a tribute to Big L, uh, Ebonix. Check it, Marie smoke is my lie, a Kia Coke is a pie. When I'm lifted, I'm high. When new clothes on, I'm fly. Cars is whips and sneakers is... Uh, I don't know if you know that song where he's talking about all of that slang. So I did a song about the slang in Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic with this Dominican rapper, and it's very nice. I think it's social also because it talks about everything, but with a slang. His name is Nino Freestyle. I'm mixing a lot of rappers that I like in Spanish and rappers in English that I like, you know, that I grew up with and I respect. And I don't know how it's gonna end, you know, the album, because I still have some songs that I'm gonna include on the album since it's been done i have this album done like two years ago but i had to include new songs the first song of the album was rene so now i can't put rene on the album probably or maybe i put it but people know already that song so i'm putting new songs desde pequeño quería ser beibolista no llegué así que aprendí a batear hits por encima de una pista volví a tomar alcohol en mi despacho escribo bien but it's very it's i think it's the first album that I'm including like more rap, it feels more rap, just because I, I've never done a lot of rap and hip hop on an album, you know? I always just make music and I rap over it, but now it's kind of, some of the beats are created by cool producers from hip hop. I like that it's a rap oriented album and it reminds me of the song you did with Don Omar, Flo HP, where it was like 64 bars between the two of you. So it's a reminder of your rap skills and putting that side of you forward. Yeah, it's gonna be like that. It's, it's, it has a lot of lyrics. It's the opposite of what's happening of not too many lyrics, but more hooks. And I'm not against that. That's what I know. At first, I started out making the album based on brainwaves. 
So if I see it that way, it's uh, an evolution, of course, of the DNA project. And it, you know, because I was using brainwaves to make music, and I did, and I did it for a few songs. But when I realized, you know, the pandemic came, and also I realized that, oh man, this is it's gonna take me forever. Like the same way the DNA album took me, and at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, man, I I wanna have fun too, but also I want people to get it. And maybe it's not that important for them that I made a song like this America song. The harmonies that the Iveji are singing, uh, they are brainwaves of worms. The idea, the thing is that I, if I tell you this or to someone else, like maybe it complicates the whole thing because the, the whole thing is already complicated for some people. And then I add that shit up, it's like, okay, wait. But the real thing is that the, the worms that I was working with, they have... 302 neurons and in the university of Yale University I was working with a scientist that that you can see the neurons of the worms and with only 302 neurons this these worms they were able to survive the cold and the hot and to distinguish between hot and cold to reproduce to know when an enemy is coming, you know, like all of this with only 302 neurons. Like your finger has millions of neurons and you can, or thousands, and you can cut it and nothing happens. So the idea was like these worms with very little, they can do a lot. And it's kind of like our culture too, with little we do a lot. And that's how I started. So maybe you listen and it's okay, but once you know how it, I got there, it's even more interesting but it's too complicated so i so i did just i don't know like four songs like that and the rest i started to do like more rap and to flow and i think it's the album that i've been it took me it, it didn't took me long to do it it's just that because of the pandemic it's been like i waited and i you know I, I, what i'm trying is not to to make it like more like one piece that it can go together that's what i was worried because i did songs in different time periods, in different moments of my life because of the pandemic. So now that's what I'm doing, trying to make it like to sound like an album. But yeah, I'm getting there. And that's our show for today. Thanks so much to Julissa Lopez and Residente. Rolling Stone Music Now will be back next week. We are, of course, a podcast, and you can listen to us on Sirius XM's volume, channel 106. Download us wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe leave Rolling Stone Music Now a nice review on Apple Podcasts, because that's always appreciated. But as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.